Hello, and welcome to the Six Figure Authors, the show that helps you take your writing career to the next level. I'm Lindsay Baroker, and I'm here with my two co-hosts. I'm Andrea Pearson. And I'm Joe Lalo. And this week, it's going to just be the three of us answering some uh, listener questions from about three months ago. So our apologies. We, I'm actually the one who booked back to back to back to back guests in February. So it's been a while since we've uh, had a chance to just answer questions. And we're going to be talking about passive advertising, rapid release, marketing, fiction when you're not solidly in any one genre, and uh, several other things that people asked. Before we jump into that stuff, do you guys have any news that you would like to discuss? News that I would like to discuss or that's just boiling in my brain needing to burst out? (laughs) Well, you know you want to talk to us because you can't talk to anybody else but your family right now. So we should say we're recording this on... March 23rd. So it'll be a week and a half out of date by the time it comes. So who knows what will be going on by the time you actually listen to this. Yeah. And for people listening in the future, that's 2020. (laughs) I can't believe we're already in 2020. We're already into March. We're almost done with March. Our quarantine was actually supposed to end today. And I am, the doctor was like, let's push it back one more week. And I'm like, are you serious? But then everything is falling apart anyway. So it's not like I'm getting a break from anything (laughs) because, because, you know, we're just, everything's just crazy insane. And I think our listeners already know that. Um, But I'm nearly done with Raven Huntress, the fourth book in my Midnight Chronicles. Um, My husband, Nolan, has been helping with the writing. It's been a lot of fun to work with him. And it's been, it's been honestly a great way to, I don't know, like my stress levels went down considerably once we decided to bring him on, which just goes to show that I'm just, you know, I bite off too much more than I can handle. And I have, I had the books up for pre-order. You know, I think I've talked about that on the show before. So Books one through three have already been released and they release when they're supposed to, but book four, five, and six, like our lives just pretty much fell apart. And so I extended my pre-order deadlines on those by a month each. And I don't honestly know at this point if we're going to be able to make those just because of how crazy things have been. And so I don't know, I guess we'll just see. But um, um, our baby hasn't gained any weight in the last month and he got taller by a little bit. So technically he lost weight. Um, I'm actually holding him right now for the people who are watching because <laughs> he just missed mommy. So, well, the people who are watching won't be able to see him because he's under the camera. <laughs> he's like, why do you keep lifting me up, mom? <laughs> um, but yeah, so we're just, I don't know, he's just going to be tiny always. And then hopefully I mean, he's happy, you know, he's growing. Well, he's kind of growing, so he's hopefully going to be okay. And I muted myself on accident there. And I'm hitting the shift tab um, or alt tab. Anyway, so um, let's see, trying to remember what else I wanted to talk about. Um, We did buy a 3D printer. I was talking to Lindsay and Joe about that before we started recording. And we're going to be making um, all my books have magical items in them. So my husband's going to be designing those. And then we're going to be making those for for readers. And we've done that in the past. I have... um, I have a couple of keys and a couple of magical items from my very first series. And we've made, we've made quite a bit of money. I mean, we sell them for $5 each and they cost like five cents to make. And we've sold several hundred of those. And so that was definitely worth it. So we'll be doing that again. And then having a 3D printer is going to be a lot of fun. Um, just, you know, all of the technological advancements there. So um, let's see, I'm trying to remember what else. I think I already said that I've got, I'm under contract now for audiobooks for three of my three books, I think. I think I might have said that in one of our most recent shows. Um, but yeah, so that's pretty much it. What's what's going on? Um, I've got more updates that we can go into a little bit later when we start getting into a couple more discussions. So um, off to you guys. Uh, as for me, uh, 
Coin of Kenvard is Book of Deacon 6. That is coming out uh, on April 16th. It is in pre-order now. Uh, on April 1st, I'm planning to do, uh, I'm planning to do, I might change my mind on it, a, a full series price drop for about two weeks, like for the two weeks leading up to the release of the book, where I would drop the earlier books to a lower discount and, you know, just slowly staircase up to the normal price release for the, uh, for the sixth book. Um, the goal would be to run a couple of Facebook ads, uh, carousel ads I'm thinking of doing where I will show the, all of the books that are being discounted. At one of the, I think it was Nink, uh, there was a presentation where I forget who it was. It was one of two people was talking about they like to do the carousel ads where they actually show their book cover, which is often a no-no, and they like to put the price discount on it, which is often a no-no. They like to do both of those things and it works fine for them. So. Uh, I'm going to try doing that, and I will, uh, you know, abandon ship if it turns out that it's not converting as well as I would like, and just go back to a standard advertise. Because I've been testing some Facebook ads and did reasonably well with them in small volume, so that's going to be happening. Um, I also have been a little bit distracted in the recent days because of the pandemic and also Animal Crossing released a couple days ago. That was a very handy way to distract myself from the pandemic and also everything else. So <laughs> that's sort of what I've been going on. But uh, I'm about halfway done with the Free Wrench 6, which is the current project. When that is done, I'm probably going to take a couple of weeks to do short stories to refill, well, to, to polish up short stories to refill my Patreon release thing because I'm just about out of short stories there. And I'm just, you know, other, other than that, just chugging along the way I always am. I find that I kind of have to avoid things like online games and any television series with eight seasons that I could potentially get into because I'm not very good at just doing like a half hour or an hour, as I found out with the lost years, where also known as the World of Warcraft years, where I have very little memory of doing things, of producing anything other than the bare minimum work stuff. Uh, so I usually don't know anything about games or videos, TV. I will say for my news, um, I launched the second book in my urban fantasy series. Things are going okay. I've definitely spent more money to launch this on than I have in the past in you know smaller, less competitive genres. And I, I wouldn't say it's actually earning any more than like my space opera did or my last... Uh, it's kind of a mystery fantasy series. Uh, my last really good launch was like two years ago, my Heritage of Power series with dragons. This one has dragons too, but they're less of a thing in urban fantasy. <laughs> it's like vampires and werewolves, I guess, and fae, whatever fae are, are, are now the thing. <laughs> but, um, you know, so, and it's hard to say, is it me jumping genres, doing different genres, or is it just a sign of more competitive times? That is, of course, the most competitive fantasy genre that you can go into. You know, I feel like I sold more the first week and was up like around 130, 140 ranking in the store for a week or maybe I held it for almost two weeks. Um, so that was better than I usually am able to get with like Epic Fantasy or Space Opera. Um, but it's it's fallen off quicker. And I don't know if the people that were going to buy it just all bought it that first couple of weeks. Uh, you know, it's still doing okay. I, I think I'm getting probably, and this may be true for a lot of people right now, maybe getting more borrows than sales especially when it comes to um, book one is 99 cents and then book two and, and three will both be 4.99 or are 4.99. So, uh, you know, it's a little early to predict stuff, but it's 
you know, we can't call it a recession until there's like two quarters in a row of negative GDP. So, but that's, everybody's like, yeah, that's pretty much going to happen because nobody's working and producing things right now. And uh, it's kind of a crazy time. So it's hard to know how much that plays into things too. But I, I see people selling well and I'm still doing, you know, fine. I'm just like, yeah, I, I paid just as much to do the same amount of sales and, and earnings basically. So We'll see. I, I'm probably planning about eight books in this series. I've written the first four. And um, when I'm done, I, I'm always kind of more motivated by what I'm excited by than necessarily doing the smart thing, like releasing another series in the same genre right after finishing one, you know, while you've got the momentum and the fans and the readers and all that. But um, uh, we shall see how things go. It's I'm at this point, considering I know many people now that are just out of work because they got laid off while this is going on. I feel grateful that my life hasn't been super changed. <laughs> you know, I work from home to start from, uh, you know, I was telling the guys before this, like, well, now I go up to the bonus room to work out instead of driving to the gym. But, uh, you know, obviously I was already working from home and I'm still selling books. So we'll, hopefully that will continue to be true in the future. We'll see. This is probably not anything that's going to, we're going to bounce back from really easily, at least economically. So we'll, we'll definitely have to be smart authors slash business owners going forward. Um, in other news, I finally finished my seventh uh, sci-fi novel and sent it off to my editor. That one was a little over 130,000 words, so not as long as book six of the series, but still, that's about 50,000 more than the urban fantasy novels are averaging. And it's actually, having written those longer books recently, it's kind of skewing my perception as what's good for page reads for a day. Uh, so I'm having to remind myself that urban fantasies are shorter books. I actually went in and did the math. I'm like, oh, you know, 80,000 page reads yesterday divided by 406 pages instead of whatever it was, seven. And I'm like, oh, actually, that's I, I, people read more than they borrowed yesterday. So it's good to do the math and check on that. Um, last thing I will bring up here is that a couple weeks ago, I had a book bub for the first book in my four book Chains of Honor series. Uh, a free, uh, that's a free book one. And I, I'd been kind of wondering lately if they were still doing worth doing for um, free books because BookBub doubled their price a year or two ago. Uh, free books used to be a lot cheaper than like a 99 cent bargain deal. It was like 220 in sci-fi and fantasy. And I think this one was more like 500 to promote a free book. Obviously, you're banking on people going and reading more books in this series. I, ha I have two, three, and four. They've been out for like a year. So that series is complete. And so I actually went in and checked, you know, now with Amazon's reporting it's a lot easier just to go like oh do those three books increase sales and uh, before the book bub books two three and four were only making about 40 day 40 dollars a day combined uh and that was uh, a little over two weeks ago and then when it, it, i did there was a noticeable jump when it when the uh promo went live so that day you know it jumped up to like 300 that day and um so far, at the two weeks later, subtracting the five hundred dollars I spent, I'm up about two hundred fifty, or yeah, twenty five hundred dollars so far in two weeks. So, and that's just at Amazon. I, I didn't really peek anywhere else. This is a wide series. So basically, I found that it's still worth it to get a free book bub if you can, if you have a series, you know, and if book one leads into the other books. I was impressed at how many people actually went and bought book two, three, and four the same day as the free. Especially now, this was uh, March 10th, I think. So it's sort of ramping up into uh, coronavirus <laughs> craziness and uh, maybe penny, penny pinching. So before we jump into our listener questions, I guess maybe we've kind of been 
talking about it a little bit, <laughs> skirting it. Are you guys doing anything or planning to do on do anything to kind of deal with what's going on? You know, looming recession potentially, lots of people sick, lots of people losing their jobs, maybe not being able to afford as many discretionary items. Um, what are you guys doing or planning to do? I know it's still pretty early days. Um, for me, I'm I'm holding holding steady for the course. Uh, my life is, as you said, pretty much unchanged by the pandemic. I was already working from home, and uh, the people that I live with, one of them already worked from home. So my stress levels are very high, just because I just have sort of an empathy for the world right now. Uh, I did a couple of things, just you know, knowing that people are are stuck at home and knowing that people are are going to be hard up for cash. Uh, Smashwords uh, is currently running a month long sale for you can discount your books. I think it's called Authors Give Back. I put all of my omnibus things. I put it half price or sixty percent off. I think I created a, a collection of short stories that were sort of the leftovers of my uh, Patreon books uh, that weren't already released in the recent collection. I took all of those and made that into a free uh, release to give to people. Um, so. Also, uh, in terms of the recession, I'm not, I mean, my sales have been sagging already anyway. So I was sort of already developing my plan for what I'm supposed to do about that. And it's focused a little bit on, uh, uh, you know, increasing the amount of promotion that I do. And uh, probably next year, I'm going to do a little bit more focusing on ra not rapid release, but single genre, single series release. Because this year, I'm doing book six and three different series, which is not a great way to turn around sales. Um, but so I'm probably going to be doing that. If things get really bad, one thing that I've been thinking of doing is, especially if I do that thing where I move on to a new series, uh, maybe taking one of my older series and giving it a permanent uh, price break, like just knock it down to three ninety nine instead of or two ninety nine instead of uh, four ninety nine, just to see if it moves the needle at all. Uh, also potentially take one of those series once again, once I have a fresh series to replace it, maybe take one of the older series and move it, uh, exclusive because all of my stuff with one exception is wide right now. So those are the kind of things I might do to try to revitalize my earnings. But as it is, I was already trying to do all that. So it's a strange thing to say, but, uh, this has not changed matters for me very much at all. Um, and for me, um, this it was kind of surprising to me. My sales have actually gone up, especially like print book sales, which, you know, totally caught me off guard because I'm like, didn't expect that. But um, uh, one thing I'm noticing is my readers are super lonely. I'm going to guess this is going to be the same for a lot of uh, our listeners' readers. They're very lonely. And so last week after we finished recording our episode, I decided to hop in and do a live video with my readers. And I was like, Hey, what are you guys doing? Do you guys want to, I mean, do you guys want to talk more? And the answer was an overwhelming yes. And so I'm going to be doing basically a book club event twice a week on Mondays and Thursdays. They were the ones who voted on how often, I mean, they, I had several people say more than that, please, because a lot of them are retired people who can't go anywhere. And so all of their social outlets are gone now because they are in that, in the risk back risk bracket, you know, people at risk, whatever. <laughs> and so I'm going to be doing book club events with them. And for the most part, I'll be doing my books just because I don't have the time to read fast enough to read two books a week that, you know, from other authors, but I will be doing other authors books too. And, um, let's see, um, trying to decide 
Uh, I'm trying to decide if I'm going to sneeze here. <laughs> That's always great while you're recording. Um, but um, yeah, so I'm going to doing, be doing a book club events twice a week. Um, I'm very much looking forward to that. I'll be doing them at, right after we finish here and then on Thursdays, like I said. And then also, like I said, my sales have been going up, which surprised me. Wasn't expecting that. And so uh, a lot of people like this is a recession. You know, people aren't doing super well. They don't have incomes coming in. A lot of people. So what I've decided to do was to do a big promotion this week on my book starting Wednesday and going until whenever countdown deals end, you know, so Tuesday or whatever next week. And every single book I've written will be 99 cents or free. So a first book in a series will be free. And then everything else after that would be 99 cents. I've never done this before. I have no idea if it's going to work. Um, I'm just hoping it'll give people something to do. And then also since I'm doing book club events, they can grab my books, you know, for free that we'll be doing the box sets will be three ninety nine. Um, and then individual books will be either free or 99 cents. They'll be free if they're first in a series and then 99 cents otherwise. Um, and that's on the reader side. Um, yeah, I can't wait to see how it goes. Oh, and my prints. I'm also going to be discounting my print books. I'm dropping them. I usually keep them around $15.99. I know a lot of people like saying, you know, keep them as cheap as possible. But I keep it at $15.99 just because that's what I started out as back when, you know, everybody was comparing to traditional publishers and that's how much traditional publishers were doing them for. And so I've been doing mine at $15.99. And so I'm dropping those to about $10.99, basically as low as I can go and still end in 99 cents. And so that's part of my promotion too. Because like I said, a lot of people have, have been buying the print books. And then on... So that's the reader side. On the author side, I've been doing daily productivity challenges and writing reminders basically in you know, just to remind people that there's another world outside of the coronavirus. And I think a lot of people are just tired of hearing about coronavirus. And so I've been doing those in my book club promotions and more group, you know, just every day I, I have something go out that says, what's your goal today? What are you working on? And the, the goal for that is to help other authors stay focused because I've been having a hard time staying focused. Um, anyway, so if, if you want to come join us over in that group and the baby wants to say hi, <laughs> he's, Usually very quiet. Joe's waving at him. He's usually very quiet, but apparently he was like, mommy's talking too much. So <laughs> I'm going to hand it back to Lindsay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I've seen a lot of authors doing promos and giving away free books. And I've been, you know, thinking about how I can do some of that stuff too. So if it's on pre-order for $4.99, I'm just going to leave it. Uh, you know, <laughs> authors got to get paid too. And then of course, I've actually already heard from somebody that saw some backlash from uh, apparently so many people are doing free stuff that they were like, how rude of you to launch a book at full price. And, you know, <laughs> so that may be something you have to deal with too, but hopefully not too much. A lot of the stuff I'm launching is in KU, so they can always subscribe if they want it for free. And, you know, we'll see how it goes. I, I'm with Joe with Smashwords doing that promo too. I haven't actually promoted it other than giving a tweet out on Twitter. But a, a lot of people have been taking advantage. I peeked in there today and a lot of people had gotten some of my stuff using the coupon, uh, especially the free things. And, um, you know, for me, I usually do series stutters and box sets and stuff. So, you know, I may actually lead more people into my series. I currently have one omnibus left in Kindle Unlimited. I've, I've been saying forever I'm going to take my Heritage of Power series out. So I finally let everything run out. I think there's one book with like two days left and I'm going to publish it everywhere else. But I've, I'm a little regretful for that because boy, do those box sets get a lot of page reads. And um, at least right now, that's still uh, they're pretty lucrative. We'll see if a lot more people end up going in KU or there's a lot more uh, box sets and things in KU. Obviously, if there's more or if there's just more people reading overall, what we get paid will probably go down. But we'll see you know uh 
this, this, like I said, it's probably going into, we were kind of heading toward a recession anyway. So possibly, you know, I'm not a financial expert, but I was hearing that a lot from the financial experts. So we need to be thinking about not just like the next couple months, but you know, what the next year or two years may look like. So, you know, just keeping track of what people are doing, what's working, what we can take advantage of, or at least not, uh, not just sitting on the sidelines and not adapting, I guess I would say. Um, and as I'm also like trying to think of what are just some cool things I can do for the readers. Um, I'm not as garrulous as Andrea and probably or a little horrified at the idea of uh, Zoom chats and that kind of thing. But um, I've, I'm actually working on a bonus scene right now. I'm kind of between... I finished the sci-fi, but haven't started the next uh, urban fantasy novel. So I was like, let me just write a little bonus scene for the blog and I'll get that up this week. And, um, you know, just trying to do things. I'm trying to also figuring people are sick of hearing about this stuff, uh, trying to keep my social media pages, you know, not ignoring it completely, but I'm not posting any articles or anything like that. I'm like, here's your dragon soap, you know, <laughs> make sure you wash your hands. I think that's the closest I've gotten to, uh, you know, mentioning virus stuff and just, you know, doing the usual stuff, trying to post scenes and snippets and, you know, maybe something I'm reading. But um, I guess we'll see how things go going forward and we will try to keep on track of things and, and you know, continue to get uh, people to interview for you guys that uh, hopefully we'll have some good insight, good advice. All right. Shall we now go into the listener questions? Nodding. There's nodding. All right. Several months ago, <laughs> Val Neal uh, asked or said, in a recent episode, Lindsay talked about how some of her books or a lot of them don't fit clearly into one market and how she's struggling to determine what kind of book it was in some cases or struggled. I've asked all my beta readers to classify my first book and everyone gives a different answer. Dark fantasy, urban fantasy, historical fantasy. I can see this drastically changing the blurb and cover. Two questions. How do you find out what subgenre your book falls under? And if it's not a great fit anywhere, how the heck do you market it? Just throw a dart at the subgenre that's close enough. <laughs> uh, Andrea, do you want to answer that first? Yeah, sure. Um, and I, I did come up with my answer a few months ago. So I'm like, okay, what was I saying? Oh, yes, that makes sense still. <laughs> so um, yeah, I go by what's selling well currently out of the and my books fall under a bunch of different subgenres under fantasy because I, you know, I didn't really follow tropes very cl closely when I first started writing. And, and I've kind of stuck with that. I just write what is most fascinating to me and um, most enjoyable to me to write. But what I do is I will pay attention to what's going on with the genre. And then I will target readers who read those subgenres. And then I mix things up as needed. So I think I've said this before, my Mosaic Chronicles was written in 2014. And, you know, um, back in October, November, December, October, September-ish, I rebranded it as Academy Urban Fantasy and it's been doing really well there. And then once it, you know, that dies off, which it has a little bit, I will go ahead and switch back to the regular, is like kind of like a fantasy that you can't really tell. It's obviously not epic fantasy. So it's co contemporary fantasy look. Um, and then as to figure out what you write, there's lots of good ways to do that. Um, so read a lot of other books, right? Pay attention to similarities, um, pay attention to what readers say. So you can actually read your reviews if you want to, and then just see what readers are pointing out and what they're, what they're commenting on, you know, making notes about. So for example, uh, when I'm working with my 
my RCAST team, my review crew, I'll read their reviews to get little excited blurbs to put or to post to my readers on my newsletter list and to put on Facebook and things like that. And so that kind of gives me an idea of what they're thinking about my books. And a lot of the comments I get back is it's creepier than other other uh, fantasy. Um, there's a lot more twists and surprises than a lot of fantasies they read, which again is because I don't write to trope, you know, write to market. And I, I wish I would like to, and I tried to throw some of that in. Um, so pay, pay attention to what readers are saying. Uh, and in the beginning, things won't be as clear cut, but you'll eventually get a feel as you hear more and um, more feedback and you hear from other people. And then as you're reading and paying attention to other people, um, other people's books. And then also working with a good and experienced editor helps. They'll be able to help you pinpoint things that are for your genre and things in, that are in your genre that are specific to your books. Yep. Um, what can I add? This, uh, I've historically done a very bad job at identifying genre accurately. Uh, there are sites that uh, are useful for this. TV Tropes is a good resource if you just want to know a lot more about a given... I mean, as the name would suggest, it, they identify tropes and they have sections for, for genres and subgenres that sort of list off the tropes that are, you know, common within. I've never done that before writing a genre, which is why I often, the things that I associate with a genre, it, it turns out other people don't associate with a genre and vice versa. And the closest I got was steampunk. And even that was far off because it was not in Victorian England. It was in a Victorian England-like secondary world. So uh, when it comes to uh do you trust your readers you you know as as andrea said your readers are going to have a better idea of where it falls than you will because typically speaking uh, i would say a lot of readers read more than writers read if you could follow that sense um pick a genre when it comes to like when you have your list of genres that it sort of fits in especially if it's straddle genres uh pick the genre that is a good match to your story but also strikes the best balance between selling bell well and not being too competitive so like if you if you can comfortably fit into for example epic fantasy and urban fantasy chances are uh if you're not super duper up on urban fantasy uh if you're not super duper up on marketing uh, urban fantasy is harder to market so maybe lean toward the epic fantasy that sort of thing uh but try to hint at the other elements in your blurb just just don't you don't want to surprise people with with uh, the content that doesn't fit the genre that it's classified as uh, obviously you can give it both genres but uh you're going to have more success if you're focusing on on uh, on just the one genre for your promotion and, and your branding. So yeah, don't forget also that you have keywords and things like that, which don't necessarily classify you as a subgenre, but can catch the people who are looking for those other genres that you haven't chosen as your category. Uh, basically, you're going to be hedging your bets a lot if this is your situation. And uh, just, you know, also, you don't have to stick with one. If you find that what you're doing hasn't worked, then try some of the others and see if they do work. Yep. And I, I want you to know, Val, and anybody else listening, that this is super common for authors for your first series, especially. You're usually not thinking about marketing when you just, you like, you think you're going to write the book. And when you're done with the book, that's the victory. And if you, you know, whether you're going to self publish it, that's when you start really having to pay attention to the marketing. Interestingly, and I think the advice is still the same. If you go look at like what agents want for trad publishing, they're always like, we want new and fresh. We want it different. And that was my thought, you know, when I wrote my first series, um, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm not going to do orcs and dragons and all that stuff. And so there's none of that in my first series. And it, it, you know, it's, 
it's a little, it's a steam age setting, but it's definitely not steampunk. It's made up more of an epic fantasy kind of world. And um, I think I ended up putting it in Swords and Sorcery is sort of the closest mix, but Swords and Sorcery would steam and not many swords. So, <laughs> and, you know, I didn't really know then, you know, but Joe, what Joe, Joe just said is right, you know, pick one, basically, go look and see what's most competitive. Like, as I just found out, urban fantasy, man, you're never going to get to number one in that. <laughs> Harry Potter's eight books are all in that category. And they're all in Kindle Unlimited. So they're all always in the, like, the top 100 or top couple hundred. I mean, you can like release something in a series and pop up there maybe for a day. But as far as sticking in the top like 10, that's pretty tough over in that category. But, you know, I know here, here I am in nine and 10 in urban fantasy, but my book was number one in dark fantasy for a while. Uh, and that was a lot easier. You could be number one with like a 200 ranking instead of a two ranking <laughs> required. So take a look at what's competitive. Uh, I, as I can say uh from my experience it's like there's if, if you're really to market there's nothing wrong with shooting for like a real competitive genre but um if you're kind of in the middle if you're less to market it's going to be really hard to be seen uh, as much in those for competitive categories so it's better to pick one where you can be the big fish in the small pond versus trying to be a little teeny minnow in a huge pond i i think i mean you know maybe other people would disagree that Maybe you'll just sell more if you're in that super competitive thing. But as of right now, Amazon allows you to be in like 10 categories anyway. So you can just select them or email Author Central and ask for them. But uh, you do want to focus on whichever one you think is your best bet, say it's dark fantasy or maybe historical fantasy. I think that one's less competitive. Um, you know, kind of tailor the blurb, pick out the things that are going to attract that dark fantasy reader, do the cover in line with what's selling in that genre. And then, like Joe said, you don't want to surprise anybody. You want to make sure it seems like a decent fit for that. But um, that's about all I have to say on that. I mean, it, it just be, I feel, be more prepared if you're farther out, if you're cross genre, if you're not really too trope to give away book one for free, or at least like if you're doing Kindle Unlimited to run some free days, maybe make that one 99 cents for a while. Uh, you know, especially if you have more out in the series, I feel that the farther you are away from what the market wants, the, the more you have to do the free samples at Costco, you know, like you want to try this weird cheese with the blue stuff running through it. It's free. Why wouldn't you try it? So, and that can work. And then, you know, cause I feel like that first series for me, I probably have the most truest diehard response from the fans of anything I've written. Uh, and it really ended up connecting with some people and I've gotten a lot of fan art and, fan fiction from that one. I was also writing slower back then, so it took them longer to read through it. So they probably had more time to speculate on how things would go. But um, sometimes when you're that quirky person that doesn't quite fit and the, you can find your readers, they will become really true fans. All right, next question is from the mind of Montgomery Harris. I would love to see a discussion dedicated to passive advertising. What passive advertising has helped you guys and guests and your guests out? I can't really answer for guests. They, they can answer for themselves when we have them come in. <laughs> Maybe we could pose that question to them. Um, but for me, uh, Facebook ads are definitely my favorite form of passive advertising. I always, always try to keep at least two running boosting traffic to two different series. Um, and then I still do book giveaways where, you know, I do, I'll give away like a, I don't know, a Kindle Paperwhite or a $50 Amazon gift card. And then I target 
my readers, specifically my target audience and genre through Facebook ads. And that's actually, those have worked fairly decently for me. Um, I, it's not as useful as it once was, but perma-free book one remains my primary uh, passive advertising. I get newsletter signups pretty easily, even from, from people who don't go on to buy books two and three and so on. Uh, I also have until recently uh, had a drip feed Amazon advertising campaign. Technically, I still do, but uh, it's tapered off and I haven't made any new ones. So, but perma-free still, uh, like if I look at my my uh, my sales reports, the perma-free, it technically is working exactly as it well as it, as it used to. Like it still converts the amount that it used to. It just, there's not nearly as many people getting that free book. So uh, uh, yeah, perma-free works. And then when you decide to go active, uh, when you when I promote the, perma, uh, the perma-free book, then it briefly jumps back up to where it was and then everything else jumps up, you know, in the following weeks. So perma-free is, is still where I work. Right. And I'm going to answer similarly. And I'll say there's really not much as far as completely passive. And it's funny because anytime there's that um, smart passive income podcast by Pat Flynn, you guys might have heard. And I think if you listen to the interviews, you'll be like, oh, okay, absolutely none of this is passive. And I, f- I feel like Pat himself has admitted like, there are no really completely truly passive investments out there. And I feel like it's probably the same with marketing. Although I, I think the perma-free book one is the most passive thing you can do. But even then, like, I don't know about you, Joe, but I will occasionally go get a free book C for that one of those book ones, or I'll try to get a book bub for um, a free box set or something. And um, there, you know, you get a few, I definitely, you know, cause I, I mentioned in the beginning that I got the Warrior Mage, book one of my Chains of Honor series had its first free um, book bub at the beginning, which led to sales increasing. But they were just from that book being free, you know, it was about $40 a day from books two, three, and four anyway. And that's on a book I haven't promoted in over a year or done any, you know, even mentioned in over a year. I've been up until this new urban fantasy release, I was focusing completely on the sci-fi and not even mailing my fantasy list. So that was a pretty passive, you know, it was trickling, you know, getting enough downloads to make some money on the sales of the rest of the series each day. Um, you'll probably find less of that if you're not already publishing and you know a lot of that i'm sure is people checking out what else does Lindsay have out there you know i finished this series and, and let's see what else she has so i'm not saying that it's going to perma free book one is going to be the magic solution to uh getting sales if you don't already have sales but it, it is something uh, in the beginning especially i had my first emperor's edge book i had it on wattpad i did a audiobook version. I had it on patio books when, and that was more of a thing. So I was always willing to give it away for free in order to hopefully get people to check out the rest of the series. And if you don't have a book one yet, or you don't have a series, um, something that's worked for me, same, same idea is like, I have one novel called Fractured Stars. It's just kind of a standalone, sort of a sci-fi romance. And um, so I wrote a, like a 20,000 word novella that, you know, introduces the character and kind of leads into it and uh, made that free. And it's, you know, that book's been out for almost two, two years. It's long since out of KU. So it's not getting free people downloading, you know, not getting page reads and that kind of thing. And it's another one I don't really mention because it's just one book, but I went to see how it's doing and it made a little over $200 on Amazon in the first three weeks of March here. And that's just from, you know, a little more from the other sites too. And that's just really just people grabbing that novella and at the end of the novella, which was free, I was very clearly said, you know, hey, there's a whole novel for $3.99 if you want to pick it up. Um, 
if you do blog stuff, we, we had Ricardo Fayette on talking about SEO. That's the kind of thing where if you've had a blog for a while, you'll you go look at your Google Analytics and you'll see people just stumble onto it searching for things like the older your site is, the, you know, especially if you get people linking to it regularly, the more of an authority site it becomes, the more likely you're going to get free search engine traffic. And I've, you know, it's, I don't do a lot of, tra- I do no tracking links, I think on my blog, unless I do an affiliate link, which I, which I sometimes do that. Um, but I've definitely seen that I will get traffic to like interviews because I'm always trying to post little like character interviews, little, like I said, I'm going to do a bonus scene here. And it's, it's kind of random happenstance if that happens to lead somebody to your site that then goes on to buy your books. But that's another thing you can do that is for the long term. And, you know, I have articles up on self-publishing on my blog from like 2011 <laughs> that people still find. And, you know, every now and then somebody's like, hey, maybe I'll check out their free book one. I happen to be a fantasy reader too. So I would say website. Same thing if you're into doing like YouTube videos, if you can find a way to link that into your stories. Uh, you know, you, you'll find that stuff you did, especially if you keep publishing to your blog or your YouTube channel or your podcast, you know, it's stuff you did four years ago can continue to get traffic. And, you know, it's really going to depend on the kind of content you have out there, whether that's going to translate into sales. We've talked before how it's a lot easier in nonfiction than fiction, but you never know if you help somebody out, they might check out your book or ask somebody else to, if they know somebody that reads that genre. All right. Next question, Meg Jolly. I would love to hear all your thoughts on the best way to launch in 2020. From what I see, 99 cent box sets and 99 cent rapid release launches are not what they used to be and for sure not a guaranteed success, at least for the same ad spend that they were a year ago. So how would you launch a series? Price points, timing timing in the year, timing between books, etc. And how would you launch a box set? Price points, timing, wide versus KU. All right. This is a, there's a lot in this question. So uh, Andrea, do you want to take a stab at it first? Yeah, I was going to say, let's do a whole episode on this question. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm just going to address a couple parts in there. Um, I released all my new stuff into Kindle Unlimited. First in series books usually get launched at 99 cents. Sometimes I leave them there, but um, sometimes I'll raise the price. I almost always release later books at full price or just a dollar off. And I'll keep it at just a dollar off for from usually when I announce Wednesday to my readers until Saturday, just so they have an incentive to download. Um, I found that uh, I don't... And then also I rarely run discounts on later books and series because I found that readers will wait until you discount them otherwise. And so because I very, very, very rarely discount, I think this promotion that I'm doing this week is the first time I'll have discounted probably 60% of my books, maybe 75% of my books. Um, so they know I don't ever, rare, I very rarely discount later books and series. And, um, and it helps them actually download when I launch those books. And so I do promotions on the first books and series all the time. And so they know that, you know, but they also, I'm okay with them waiting and getting it and when it's a free or when it's per free or when it's, you know, very cheap. Um, but I do use download bonuses still. I find them to be very helpful still. And so that helps to have a book launch go well, go successfully. Um, I'm fan of a fan of launching a book when it's ready rather than waiting until, you know, I mean, rather than holding it off and doing rapid release, mainly because I've never been able to do a rapid release. Um, because of the timing with my family, with my kids and things like that. Uh, and then I just focus on making that book as attractive as possible to readers, you know, basically getting a lot of reviews on it and, and, um, 
making sure that there's other books in the series to follow up after before I do any big pushes on that. And uh, because I find it easier to make money on series that have already gained some traction than it is for me to gain make money on launches. And I know that a lot of authors, they we still have a perception that the book launch is everything. And it's a lot of that is because, you know, traditional publishing, that's what they do. But it's also because as an author, it's really hard to release a book and not have it do well when it launches. But the launch really isn't the end of the world if it goes poorly. And it's also not the only chance your book will get. So we're going to be doing this for several years. So if it doesn't have a huge launch, then just make things line up perfectly so that next time you have a promotion, it does well. Um, my feelings on this are uh, Kindle Unlimited for your initial release is probably the best bet, but uh, I always like to have things wide if I can. So Kindle Unlimited until that starts to lose steam and then wide just to catch the rest of the people is what I like to do. Or rather, what I would recommend you do, because what I actually do is start off wide, <laughs> with one exception. Well, I will be changing that in the future. So I'm giving you advice for future Joe as well. Uh, when it comes to when to release, I would avoid a holiday season for re- for releases because they tend to be pretty crowded with traditional releases, and also people tend not to buy eBooks as gifts. Uh, I've also heard that summer, for some reason, is considered a low spot in the publishing industry. Although honestly. I have not seen two years in a row in my sales that have supported the the idea that summer is a low point. So maybe that's another uh, traditional thing that just didn't carry over. Or maybe it's true for everyone but me. Uh, I I never know for sure. Uh, Releasing rapidly, releasing as rapidly as you is as is comfortable for you is uh, is probably a good idea when you're in the mid to late series so that you can keep the momentum up. Um, If you're just starting off, and you're able to, I don't think it's a bad idea to have two books ready for release pretty pretty close to each other at the very beginning because it's very hard to get moment. It's impossible to get momentum off of one book. So if you have two books, then that's better. Uh, I, I agree that like I have tried to save up three books, release them all at once. I can write reasonably quickly. So that was only about a couple of months of, of holding off on releases. But uh, especially if this is your career already, uh, and you're not used to doing rapid releases like that, you can really shoot yourself in the foot if those three releases didn't go well. You've left yourself no room to pivot. So rapid release is a good idea, but keep keep it to what you can do comfortably uh, so that you don't have long gaps. And as for pricing, I still shoot for $4.99 for, for a, a full-length novel. And when it comes to pricing the box set and launching the price of the box set, um, I typically take the the cost of all the books that are in the in the box set and then knock a dollar or two off. Uh, it depends on how many books are in it or if there's any bonus stuff because occasionally I'll write one or two bonus stories that aren't available anywhere else and then just sell it for the, the full price of the novels in it and consider those stories to sort of be what you get for buying the, 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 the books, the box set. But that's where I stand on all that. All right. So I'll also try to just go through the list here and answer some of this. Um, time of year, a lot of times that people say are down times a year for book sales have been good for me. Like I've also had no trouble launching a new series in the summer and I've had good luck right after Christmas. I have avoided that sort of early November to um, Christmas for launching a new series. I will definitely put out a book in an existing series where I know the fans are going to go grab it uh, no matter when it comes out. Um, and I've found that time after Christmas to be really solid for me. I've done a couple 
you know, not this year, but a couple of previous years, I had stuff launch right like December 27th or something. Uh, and, and it worked pretty well. I think that's a time when a lot of people are home and reading that, you know, right up till whatever, <laughs> two years, two weeks Christmas break is over. Um, now I launched my current project, not by choice, into the middle of a coronavirus land. You know, I, I think book one came out on the February 28th. So it's really before we knew the world was going to explode. I mean, there were certainly hints of stuff happening in other countries, but it hadn't really come to the US yet. So I was just like, that's the date I picked. That's when I'm going to launch my series. And, um, you know, I, I don't know if it's good or bad. I, I have had people thank me for giving them stuff to read in this time. So I'm actually, I'm glad I'm able to put out the first three books quickly. And I have the, the new sci-fi coming out next month too. So it's nice to have stuff for people. So I don't know if I would, you know, and it depends on how much you're depending on the launch to like pay the bills. If it's, if you have a big backlist, you know, it becomes less important that something do spectacularly well. Uh, hopefully it's never important for your career that something do spectacularly well. Uh, if you're planning on banking everything on that, that, you know, that can be just, that can lead to disappointment. <laughs> um, for the rapid release stuff, uh, like Joe was saying, if, you know, you, you should know if this sounds like something appealing to you. If you write fast, if the idea of banking three books sounds great, go for it. But I, you know, I hope we never give you the feeling of pressure. Like you have to just write all three, even though it takes six months to do a book uh, and save it. Because as we talked about on previous shows, things can change in that time. Um, so it may be better for down the road. Uh, I found it really useful for me, especially as someone who genre hops. Um, I think if I just always wrote epic fantasy, I would feel less pressure to like put out three books to try to establish a footprint in this new genre and try to find new readers that are going to be into this genre. Um, you know, cause I certainly see like, uh, just, uh, obviously I've been watching the urban fantasy list lately and, you know, familiar authors just putting out a book one, you know, in a new series to their existing fans, they can do really well. They don't have that pressure so much. Maybe they have book two on pre-order, but they're not necessarily trying to put it out two weeks later. Um, but for myself, I, I like two weeks apart, two, three weeks apart for the first three books in the series. If you did bank them and you're not trying to write them that fast. I, I've tried one week apart and that seemed a little too quick for people to work their way through. You know, you get some people that will read it the day it releases, but maybe your more average reader might take a couple weeks before they're then eager to get on the second one. Um, but I, I do find that the momentum really helps. And if you're going to do something like 99 cents for book one, like I often do, again, this is as a genre hopper more than somebody sticking in knowing I have a fan base that's going to go out and pick. I mean, I know I have readers that are going to pick up anything, but you know, if you're really establishing your genre, maybe you don't do the 99 cent release. Um, but if you are doing that, you're not going to make a whole lot on book one. And especially if you're in an expensive genre where advertising costs a lot of money, as I am currently finding. And this is not even... Yeah, I know you contemporary romance people are like, oh, only a dollar fifty a click. What a deal. I wish I had that going on. Whereas coming out of epic fantasy, I'm like, whoa, what is wrong with these people? Um, but then if you have book two coming out two weeks later and it's $4.99, you know, and it's another... you know, Suddenly you're getting page reads from all the combined two and you have money coming in from that one, a more reasonable amount of money per book that can get you positive <laughs> really quickly. Uh, you know, as far as making money from that series goes and paying everything off. Um, 
I would say also, if you get the three new things in the marketplace at once, it can kind of help you coast for a while. I've certainly seen, even if, you know, things don't do as well as I've hoped, usually after I stop obsessively looking at the sales ranking hourly every day, and then it, like three months go by and I'm just doing my own thing, I'll look back and it's like, oh, those are actually still selling reasonably decently considering I pretty much forgot about them. And um, I am one who turns to advertising spend quite down quite a bit after the, you know, I try to give it two to three weeks to, if it's going to stick and get any organic traffic, that's sort of the time. Um, so I, I will have like, I think I'm spending about $7 a day on my Star Kingdom book one right now or the box set or something. So I, I don't do too much advertising outside of the, after the launch, after the first few books in the series are out. Um, but, oh, box set you asked about also. Yeah, uh, right now still, um, you know, I would say it's probably, everything's getting harder, everything's more competitive, um, you know, ad spends up, everything costs more. So that is true. I'm not going to try to deny that. I feel that you can still do well right now with a box set. Uh, you have to decide um, a Kindle Unlimited with like a complete series box set. Uh, the two I've had to do really well were five books and, you know, complete series for 99 cents, which also put me up around 2500 KENPC, maybe even more than that. Uh, you can have up to 3,000 that you can get credit for and get paid for. So, as I've talked about before, the, the 99 cent sales were kept the book in the rankings. So, they weren't, they were okay for that. But uh, the real money was made on the page reads, which could be worth about $10 if somebody read the whole series. And I, I've seen people do box sets at $2.99 or $4.99. Um, but I haven't seen them stick really high in the rankings in the categories I watched. So you have to decide what you're going for. If you just hoping to throw a whole bunch of money at it and stick for a while and get a lot of organic sales. Like I have um, still my, I have one box set in KU and I have actually been looking at the reports and like, oh man, this stupid thing is selling more than my new urban fantasy book one, <laughs> you know, and it's for a lot less advertising, but it's been selling for months at this point. So it's got a little momentum behind it. And it's still, it's a great deal for somebody who's strapped for cash right now and either 99 cents or free in KU. So you can't blame people for that. And uh, at this point in time, it can be profitable because of those page reads. So. If you're hoping to really get up there and get some organic sales too, might try it at 99 cents. I, I find that all this works less well on a series starter versus a uh, complete series or complete trilogy. You know, people love the idea of getting the whole story and not just a cliffhanger ending. Um, I've certainly done box sets of my first three and had that really well as far as just driving sales to the rest of the series, but not so much that I, you know, it's been a long time since I had one stick really high in the rankings organically. That was like 2014. So can't even compare that to what's going on these days. Um, but yeah, you probably need to spend more and it's going to depend on what genre you're into. Um, the smaller niches are getting less eyeballs, but also bids are not as expensive. So uh, you would, if you are doing like the 99 cent box set thing, I will warn you that it can take like, I would say three to three weeks before the page reads really start getting significant. Um, I know with this last one I did, it wasn't as dragony and you know it wasn't quite as to market the series hadn't done as well as the others the heritage of power series with the dragons so i wasn't expecting the box set to do as well and it's it's but it's done okay it's been worth it but i almost pulled the plug on it because i was paying you know a hundred dollars a day for advertising which is what i had done for the first series uh and the dragon series made like had some like seventeen twenty thousand dollar 
months. So it was well worth the hundred dollars a day for an advertising. But this one, I was only selling 99 cent books and the page reads were slow to really get rolling. And I almost pulled the plug after two weeks. I was like, I'm just throwing money at this. It's not really going to catch on. Um, but I let it go another two weeks and then, you know, kind of flipped at that point and went, you know, it was well over a hundred thousand page reads a day for that for quite a while. So all stuff to think about, <laughs> try it, don't try it, whatever you're interested, whatever excites you. I do think, as I was saying before, this is a time when it's going to be important to be adaptable and not be too rigid and set in your ways, unless you're just set in your ways and you're killing it. Uh, but I think most of us, I've heard from a lot of authors the last couple of years, you know, it's tougher, more challenging, not as easy as it once was. No surprises there. All right. Next question from Jason Hamilton. If you could write one type of nonfiction, what would it be? And also, what are some successful multiple streams of income that you've seen in your business? Um, so I, I kind of do. I like, I like writing nonfiction. I do mostly nonfiction for authors um, because I enjoy helping other authors quite a bit. Um, so that's pretty much what I would choose to do probably because, you know, I, I enjoy that, but I'd probably also go with something artistic if I couldn't do anything around authors. And so, so probably like painting or playing the piano, uh, guitar, viola, something like that. I do maybe homeschool, maybe cookbooks. I honestly don't know, but, um, I absolutely love as of, as where, I mean, where multiple streams of income come is concerned. Um, I've got the fiction side of my business and I've got the nonfiction side of my business. And on the fiction side, I do have some merchandising. So like I've got these, these key thingies that I was talking about, just like little emblem for those watching the videos, you know, these things that my husband designed and we, you know, we built here those, like, like I said, I sell those for like $5 each and, and they cost us between five cents and sometimes 20 cents to make, depending on which one it is. And, um, we didn't want to sell them for too cheap. When we were selling them for $2, they sold not as often, not as well as they did at $5, which, you know, cause it's that perceived value. And so we made more money off of those. Um, and then, um, let's see other, multi other strings of income, um, Patreon selling books, direct audiobooks that are in the works. You know, hopefully those will get me an additional stream of income print books. I'm going to take a day here soon to do, um, to basically just like it create a whole bunch of books and I'll be doing a whole bunch of, of large print books because that is also a an additional stream of income. And so I've got the nonfiction side with my my um, author books and then I've got courses there. They're fairly cheap to produce. So having them priced low has helped a lot. Um, it's worked for me. And then I've also got the author side, you know, the fiction side. And my attention has mostly been on the fiction side because that is the side that I'm continually drawn to. And so, I mean, multiple streams of income, it could be uh, different pen names, it could be different genres, it can be different, um, you know, different series, you know, just making sure that you are maximizing your profits in every way. Um, so on, you know, nonfiction books, I don't have a tremendous amount of, uh, of insight into anything except writing these days. Uh, so I, I have a completely bizarre crooked cheapskate worth workflow for for actually producing my books. And I think that it, it could potentially be of benefit to people who also want to be crooked, bizarre cheapskates when it comes to making their stuff. Uh, it has the benefit, I mean, if you want to spin it in a positive light, uh, it has a benefit of giving you the maximum control over the, the actual ebook formatting. If you are a real stickler for, I mean, Vellum is fantastic, but Vellum is essentially template based. And if you want to get, you know, if you want to have something that Vellum won't give you, and I can't imagine what it might be, then you can certainly do it the way I do it. So I would probably write like a, a, a how I do it, nuts and bolts of writing and publishing a book. That would be my nonfiction. 
Um, not so much a how-to, uh, and more of a one-way to, because if someone was asking me, how should I write a book, I wouldn't recommend it the way I do it. But the way that I do it might be of interest to some people. I'm not good at marketing myself as a nonfiction guy, just so as you know. Uh, uh, and as for multiple streams of income, uh, going wide is obviously my number one. I, I get I get money from dozens of storefronts. Uh, aside from that, audiobooks are a good addition if you can afford them or if you can get them published by someone else. Translations have helped me a great deal, um, less so in in the last couple months, but but certainly you know overall it's been a big uh, benefit for me. And uh, bundling and curation, uh, Story Bundle. Uh, hopefully, by now everyone's heard, heard of Story Bundle, but uh, I have done a quite quite a few bundles in the past, and I have curated quite a few bundles for them. So that's another uh, force, uh, source of income for me that has been pretty darn useful. But that's about that's about it. Where I have tried merchandise, but I have not. Uh, I wouldn't call it an income source. It's more of a an experiment. All right. Um, I'm going to recommend the show we had with Joanna Penn for this because she does a lot of nonfiction and does courses and affiliate links and all that stuff. That was back in January, I believe we published that one. Um, so I don't do any nonfiction at all anymore. I, I used to do well doing content for my own websites in the home improvement niche. Uh, it was an area where people were spending a lot of money often on big ticket things. So there's just more advertising and affiliate money potentially if you're doing web stuff. But um, actually my most profitable website that became even more profitable after the last recession was on home security. Uh, have since sold all those sites and focused completely on my fiction. Uh, I will say like home improvement books don't sell for piles. You'll see a lot of nonfiction, as far as nonfiction business books do really well. Anything that can help people make money, those are the kind of things that command a premium. But even in those niches, it's not usually the books that are killer for people. Uh, a lot of people in the nonfiction space do podcasts and videos and sell courses. You know, Selling digital information has minted a lot of millionaires. It's the it's basically the cheapest thing you can produce. Uh, you know, It costs nothing besides your time in creating the courses and such. So you do have to really focus on establishing platform, especially uh, just like with fiction, nonfiction and establishing yourself as an authority is authority is also uh, more competitive, more people out there doing that stuff now. But check out Joanna Penn if you're not already stalking her and uh, you can do what she does for, you know, your own niche. All right. Question from Cecilia Mecca. How the heck do I launch a pen name, not bringing any readers from another genre with me at all? Is that too broad of a question? <laughs> That's another one we could do a show on, but uh, we'll take a stab here. Um, okay. So I would recommend it doing precisely the same way you would launch a first-time author. Uh, it, basically, a pen name is just a new author. You get a newsletter uh, set up, you make a reader magnet, make a newsletter builder, seek out some cross promo with other authors in the genre. Like it, it really is as simple as it just imagine you were a brand new author and that's how you launch a pen name. It's actually pretty important that you don't, I mean, in most cases that you would have a pen name, you don't want anyone from your old author identity to be picking out books. So you sort of can't use your previous cachet to help your new pen name, it really just comes down to you, the person running it, being better at building, you know, author brands. Yeah, pretty much what Joe said. Um, I just, I, because I've got three pen names and I'm pulling things from the one pen name into my Andrea Pearson brand. It just make sure you know ahead of time how much work you're going to be willing to put into it. And then be honest with yourself about how much time you have to put into it. And if you can, 
don't launch a pen name unless you absolutely have to. <laughs> um, if I were to do it again, I wouldn't bother with more than a bare bones website and mailing list. Uh, you know, the social media account, anything that's going to obviously show that your name is dead or on hiatus if you wander off to other projects, probably not a good idea. A uh, website, you don't have to put the date on things. So uh, you can just kind of put up an evergreen site, you know, with your, here's your subscribe to the newsletter. Here's the bonus you get if you uh, subscribe. And, you know, all that can be automated. So because I'm just assuming with my experience that eventually you will want to go back to your main name or you'll want to start another pen name. So um, try not to commit to too many things. It would be a big time sink. Um, this is also a place where writing the first couple of books in the series and being willing to launch one at a discount or even free for a few days can help. When I launched my pen name anonymously many moons ago now, um, I wrote the first three in the series. And I believe that was actually the first time I did that, my first rapid release series. And I almost as soon as it was out, I made one free for a couple months. I, I put that wide so I could do that. And then uh, put books two and three in KU. And they, you know, it, it did quite well at the time. I remember doing a couple blog posts on it. There are still on my site if you wander around, you know, and I think it made like 10,000 in six, six weeks or something with those first three books. Uh, as a brand new from scratch author at that time, I was not telling anybody about it. So I, yeah, I'd say probably do the first, if you can, if, you know, if that's something that's plausible for you, write the first couple at least first and, uh, plan to do a little bit of, if you have some money to spend some targeted advertising, you can be really get down nitty gritty ASINs of the authors that are like the stuff you're doing. And just, you don't have to like spend tons of money, you know, unless you're trying to become top funders or something. Um, you can start with like $5 a day, really targeted stuff. Just pick a books that are selling well enough, like the books that you're launching and try to target those and get into their also bots. And uh, that is all I will say on that for now. William Group Groupie asks or says, uh, a couple of people have asked similar questions, but I wanted to add my own version. I'm a new author who will be launching this year. I have two separate series that I expect to be ongoing. I am on the final review of the first book and halfway through the first book of the second series. My question is, do I launch them one at a time as they are finished or do I wait and try to publish all three together at the end of the year? If I can get them finished, that is. I would like to release the first one since I have a stack of people waiting for it, but I don't know if that's the wrong move. Thoughts? All right. Um, I would say I wouldn't recommend releasing two books in different series at the same time. As is the case with many of the things I recommend not to do, I have done this and it doesn't work. Uh, it turns out splitting your attentions on a release is a bad idea. Um, it's hard to market stuff in separate series with the same promo, so you're not like getting any benefit of both releases happening at the same time. Uh, and if you end up splitting the attention and dividing the sales of your audience between the two, then they're both going to do worse in the long run. So I, I would just recommend that whatever you do, focus on, uh, at the very least, give each release its own space in your, in your calendar. So you can focus on talking about that one. Even if you alternate releases, which I have done to great success through most of my career, uh, give each book breathing room so that it, it's the star of the show for, the, for its, its release window. Um, again, what Joe said, just listen to Joe. <laughs> He's got the experience here. Um, so you'll split too much 
um, you'll split yourself too much between series dividing your attention, which it would probably result. And I would guess, I would bet like 95% of the time, it would result in things going poorly. Um, plus the th same thing will happen with readers. It'll be hard to help them know where to put their focus. So um, if you write better when you're jumping between series, then do that. But I would suggest waiting to release one and focus only on releasing the other until you it, you've had some time between the two. Yeah, I'm going to go with the consensus here and say probably don't release two book ones, especially if you haven't released anything else in the series. You may actually get people looking at that kind of squinty-eyed, uh, especially if you don't have a backlist of completed series that proves that you finish things. Because a lot of readers have been burned by series that were author started and then didn't finish. And um, I would probably wait until you have wait as far not necessarily hold them all to release at once but wait until you have three books out in the first series and focus on marketing that really try to get the momentum going and then if you want to get a second series rolling and alternate back and forth go ahead but i i would question the strategy of trying to write and publish two series at once i think it's going to kill any momentum you gain in one and you'll probably find any way that one sells better than the other one and then you end up in this tough situation of well do i just abandon the one that's not doing as well and irritate those readers or you know do i keep alternating and not have that momentum so i i would focus on one if you can at the very least just hold back on releasing the second one until you have one established and people see that the, the series has got a few books in it. All right, we'll just, I think, answer the next question kind of quickly because we've already gone over a lot of this. This is from Takiri Harris. Here's my current question. What's a profitable rapid release strategy for KDP Select that's worked for any of you? Monthly versus every three months? What marketing tactics did you add to boost your rapid release? Um, all right, so I've yet to have a really successful rapid release. I've had, I've done okay, but I would suggest that monthly is better than every three months. Every three months arguably isn't even a rapid release by a lot of people's standards. Uh, stacking promos that would be you know starting with your smallest smallest boosts, and then uh, and like like lesser your lesser social media and stuff like that, and then moving on to the smaller paid promo sites, and then working toward the biggest hitters so that your sales curve is trending upward as opposed to spiking and then going down. That tends to be a thing that helps algorithms and stuff. But over the course of, that's just over the course of a launch week of the first book, really. Uh, and yeah, that's, that's where I land on that. And what he said actually applies to, you know, regular promotions as well. That whole spike, you don't want to have a big spike in the middle. You want to gradually build up and then gradually go, go down. But um, rapid release isn't something I've ever done, as I said earlier. So I haven't focused a lot on making launches profitable. Um, I generally focus on making money once I have several books and series out. And once I know that I've got enough social proof on that first book in the form of reviews and uh, I have readers who, when I post somewhere, they'll say, yes, I love that book. And they also comment. And it's not just my review team. Uh, and since I already answered some of this stuff, I would just say I like to do books one through three, two, three weeks apart. And then, you know, it's rapid release. So it's really only kind of the launch that you're really trying to do this. I mean, if you can keep writing them one a month, great. Most people will struggle with that, especially if you're like me and you're, <laughs> as the series goes on, the books get longer and more involved, more POV characters. Um, but I feel, I've found that that's fine, that the readers don't expect to see them still coming out every two weeks or, you know, even every month. Like I had about, a five month gap between six and what will be the release of seven in my sci-fi series. And, you know, the last book was what quite long. So I'm just letting folks know 
that uh, they're coming a little slower. We we won't mention that I wrote three urban fantasy novels on the side before getting back to it. But um, I, I would agree with Joe that uh, once every three months is not really a rapid release at that point. That's just sort of, that's your production schedule and that's fine. Uh, you may want to, if you write that quickly, save the first two to do the rapid release. Uh, you don't have to. Um, if you're... Yeah, again, I've talked about if you're a genre hopper or if you already have a fan base, you're probably going to screw up the algorithms anyway. You're probably not going to be able to do that ideal start slow sales and uh, gradually increase. I certainly couldn't. Amazon set out a new release alert and that spiked me higher than I got any time after that. Um, that's why some people start pen names just so that that won't happen and they can carefully, you know, increase ad spend and then start doing some of the, uh, like I still do e-reader news today, uh, for sci-fi and fantasy book barbarian, Robin reads, you know, a lot of those guys will do new releases. And, it, you know, if you are into the newsletter swaps, that can certainly help with uh, spreading things out over a couple of weeks for that launch. Um, Again, 99 cents can work, and you can decide if you want to do that for maybe just the launch couple weeks. Uh, if you're in KDP Select KU, that may be less important, especially as we were talking, if you're more to the market. I, I would commit beforehand, though. I think it's bad form when you launch at $3.99 and then people buy it and then you go down to 99 cents like two weeks later because the sales weren't what you were hoping. Just if you think that's a possibility, just do 99 cents and then raise the price. And you can use that to your advantage too by telling people, hey, price goes up in um, two weeks. So if you're interested in getting it, get it while it's 99 cents and that may help with sales. Um, also, if your last marketing thing, I make sure to upload or not upload, but claim your new release on BookBub, especially if you have you know, followers. <laughs> I don't know if you do at this point or not, but um, that's another place that will give you a free, that sends out a free alert when you launch stuff. So the more things you can do to kind of stagger things and keep it selling for the first couple of weeks, the better. All right. Is that Lindsay, enough on that? Yeah. Is it okay if I make a comment really fast? Yes, of course. Okay, sorry. Because it's really hard to be like, hey, you know, can I make a comment when there's like that little bit of lag between us? Um, so one thing that I, I think listeners should be aware of is that rapid release attracts a certain type of reader, not a bad reader, just people who read quickly. So those well readers. So if you release three or four times a year, you'll attract readers who are comfortable with that pace. And if you start releasing faster than that, you'll probably lose the readers who can't keep up with the faster pace. So this is me speaking from um, from experience. If I release faster than what my regular readers read at, they stop reading a series. And so make your decisions wisely, be as consistent as you can be so you don't alienate your diehard fans, whether those be your rapid release fans or the slower readers. And if you do decide to release faster, then just recognize that you will have people fall off the bandwagon. I'm going to counterpoint and say that they will probably catch up when they can. Because I don't know, that's what people tell me. Because I certainly have people too that are not as fast of readers. I usually just get people complaining to me if I release too fast. And then they never tell me they catch up. <laughs> I've never had that. I mean, I've had certainly had people say like, yeah, you're releasing them faster than I can read. But not in a like... Don't do that way, you know. <laughs> Mine are bossier then. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> fair readers. enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
uh, getting towards the end of our questions here. A.B. Martin, I'm a middle grade author with three books out. Most of my sales are driven by Amazon ads. On a recent podcast, I heard both Andrew and Lindsay say they have middle grade books in their backlist. I'd be interested to know how you both deal with the email list and newsletter for middle grade. I have a small list that I'm fairly sure is mostly adults who read middle grade, but I don't send out a newsletter that often. I'm not keen to target under 12-year-olds with a newsletter, and I'm not even sure if that's legal. Also, if a 10 or 11-year-old was to join my list, they'd only be reading the genre for another year or so before moving on to YA. I know the list is a powerful tool for indie authors, but I'm not quite sure how to deal with it for middle grade. Any suggestions would be appreciated. And Joe skipped answering this question because it's it um, doesn't apply to him as much. Um, so when I was start when I first started out, and after I had you know two maybe three series going, and I was like, things aren't going as well as I'd like them to. I was tar- and I realized that I was targeting middle grade readers readers that age. And somebody in actually I think it was one of Mark Dawson's group pointed out to me a couple of studies that I went and found and read, and I found that. Um, middle grade readers read middle grade for a very short period of time. And they mostly usually do not go on to read young adult, they move on to read adult, or they only read for school that continues all the way through college, people in high school, and college generally read for school, or they'll read adult novels. Um, and like I said, this is based on studies I've read the biggest age group of readers for both young adult and middle grade as shown by those studies is adults around 40 to 50 years old. So once I stopped trying to target younger readers, and I start focusing on finding adults who read middle grade and young adult, I actually started making money on those on those genres. So in my my experience, my opinion, target your adults or target your ads to adults in their 40s and older who read comparable book, comparable books. But don't target Harry Potter because that's an outlier and people who don't normally read um, will, you know, they've they've liked Harry Potter and JK Rowling on Facebook. So find series and authors that haven't been as big to target uh, and you'll find a lot more success doing that. Um, that said, middle grade is a tough genre. It really is just hard to make money there. And I've said this before on the podcast, I've outsold huge authors on eBooks and, um, and I was only making between four and 500 a month, you know, and so I'd be number one in those genres, but I wasn't making enough to, you know, to actually make a living on that. Um, so I don't market my one and only middle grade book, which is a collection of short stories, which is about the hardest thing you can pick. That was my first thing I ever self-published. And I was so glad I also decided to publish book one in a fantasy series because I didn't know. Who knew short stories were hard to tell or hard to sell? Um, but from what I've heard, we had a couple of middle grade authors on the old podcast um, interview people who actually write children's books and uh, were doing well. And basically, they said that you're doing, you're going to focus your market on the parents, teachers, and the librarians, not the kids. The adults are the ones doing the buying, especially with eBooks. They're the ones that can purchase on... Well, they're always the ones with the money. (laughs) Every now and then you had a book fair or something going around to the kids and they might have a little money to spend on some paperbacks. But um, generally, they're the ones that that are the influencers for the stage group, teachers and librarians. And they're the ones who are probably going to sign up for your newsletter. Um, for newsletter content, you can point to other cool resources that kids might enjoy. Uh, a lot of authors in this demographic or marketing to this demographic go to schools for readings and try to sell print books uh, in bulk. So hopefully that's you. Make sure <laughs> If you do paperbacks, make sure you're pricing them high enough to make it worth your time uh, because this is a paperback loving market. Um, and if that yeah. is you, I'm really sorry right now because everything's shut down. <laughs> well, and then if you're an introvert, it's like school readings. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Reaching out. I, I would be horrified at the idea of that. So that's, it is a tough market. Um, 
Yeah, probably becoming an influencer in that genre would behoove you if you're at all interested in like YouTube videos and things like that and have a lot of cool things for kids that you can share online for for kids, but geared at like teachers or your audience and librarians. So it's challenging. So if you're not making as much progress as you like, know that you're not alone. All right. Diana L. Sharples asks or says, I'm writing contemporary young adult fiction and have six books published, two traditional, four indie. This past year, Family Matters prevented me from working on marketing those books. I'm planning to publish two more books this year and hoping for a contract for a third. Marketing contemporary YA is hard. I've recently lost my agent because of the difficult market, his words. What advice do you have for this genre of young adult fiction? I know YA fantasy and dystopian is hot, but what about contemporary drama, not romance? Um, yeah, um, contemporary YA is hard, YA is hard, period. It's not a big genre. Um, so study what does sell well in it from indies. Uh, you won't be able to replicate what traditionally published authors are doing. So don't spend a lot of time trying to figure out what, you know, what it is that they're doing that is actually working. So focus more on, you know, what other indie authors are doing. Just it's, it's a tough, it's a tough genre, but, um, because it's tough, that might actually mean that there is, you know, they, I mean, who is it? Is it um, that John Green or whatever, The Fault in Our Stars? There's a lot of authors who write in trad pub for that contemporary YA genre, which means that there's probably going to be a market available for indies that has not been cracked as much. So you're just, you might have to wiggle around quite a bit and see if you can find your own little area. Um, it's this probably goes without saying, but it's going to be easiest for you to focus on the books that you indie publish where you have control on the pricing and can run promos, you know, especially if book one, you have a book one leading into a series. I'm not sure if you've got a couple series going or if some of these are standalone. So it's a little hard to make suggestions. Um, as far as contemporary YA goes, though, I would niche it down more than just calling it that. Um, Actually, if you poke around on Amazon, there's like under YA literature and fiction, there's a lot of subcategories like homelessness and poverty, bullying, mental illness. You know, I don't know how many people are like, oh my gosh, I'm going to check the mental illness category today to make sure I can get some new awesome reads. But I, you know, I would try to like niche it down a little bit and also figure out like, what is your brand? What, what are you doing that's not so vague as drama, you know, that's like saying I publish literature and fiction. It's too vague. You want to be able to like be the best or be somebody really appealing in that one specific thing that you do well. Uh, and sometimes it's like reading your reviews and what the readers are saying to find that thing. You know, like for me, I feel like it's quirky characters is sort of one of my things in an epic fantasy or uh, space opera setting. And, um, but maybe it is that a lot of your stories as dramas, maybe they're dealing with bullying or, you know, violence at home or whatever the common element is. So the more you can kind of brand yourself as that, always delivering on that thing, if it's possible, you know, the easier it is. And I poked into some of those categories and like the hundredth best-selling book had a ranking of over 600,000. So if you find a little spot, you may be able to at least, you know, even if you're not the best seller in that category, at least it's a place where you can uh, get some rank and maybe just start selling a little bit each day. You know, and that, that's maybe dystopian, <laughs> you know, and, and romance are better. But I, I think that if you kind of find your spot, and like I said, read, look at your reviews and, and see what the common element is if you're not quite sure what your little niche is. And then go with it, market that, you know, put it in your blurb. I'm the person that does delivers this. And um, again, when you're, you know, we talked about 
being willing to go free on a book one if you're not really in the hot market or writing too closely in the perfect genre that uh, is a little easier to market, you know, playing around with a free and doing a few series of book one leading into the rest of the books. All right, I'm wearing down here. <laughs> that was the last question though. So do you guys have any wrap up stuff? That, Joe, you didn't answer the last two questions. Do you have any, any thoughts on uh, the world of publishing here on uh, March 23rd as we're recording this that you want to close with? Just, uh, you know, it's going to be easy to start to panic. As, like we talk about, you know, there's a recession coming and there's a gigantic question mark as to how book sales are going to look in the, in the current uh, health climate. Uh, just try not to panic and try to be aware that you can't change anything today. Like you should be planning. Uh, you look at how things are going and you plan and you stay nimble. We're independent authors for the most part. Uh, and as a result, we are a little bit more agile. So I just think that like as the time goes on, if you're worried about how things are going to go, keep an eye on the trajectory, keep working, and just try to have plans for success and failure. That's the best I could say right now. And I've I've seen a lot of comments from people who write, you know, post-apocalyptic and natural disasters and disease-related books, and they feel guilty marketing those. And I'm like, don't feel guilty, people. Like, look at what's going on out there. Um, I don't know if you guys know the, the game Plague, Inc. It's a, a little app for a little game for phones or whatever. Um, I played that like insanely madly, you know, when I was pregnant with our last baby and then with the baby before that. And it's this game where you create a disease and it wipes out the population. And the whole goal of the game is to wipe out the population of the whole world, which is really tacky right now. But they are getting so many downloads, like they're doing really well right now. People are naturally drawn to the natural disasters that are going on around them. And so if you're writing those things, market them. Don't don't be... I mean, it's not tacky. I mean, you have to make a livelihood. And right now, you're probably going to do better than those of us who don't write that kind of thing. And so, I mean, if you've got something... This is... I'm, I'm this like little shoulder angel saying, you're being really horrible, Andrea. Why are you telling them to do things? Take advantage of this. But I don't know. It's part of owning a business. You do the best that you can to reach as many customers as possible. And if you write a genre that's related to what's going on right now, then you know, take advantage of that. And don't feel guilty about it because you have to make money too. Yeah, I, I saw something that like Outbreak and all these disease movies, pandemic movies are like doing really well right now. People are like morbidly fascinated and, and getting all this stuff. And so I think that's certainly a possibility. Don't be scared if you're launching that stuff. But I think also the, there's a market for people who just want some escapism and are happy to go, you know, slay some dragons with your hero or uh, take a nice space flight to a utopian world where, oh, I don't know who's actually writing anything like that. There's always problems in our books too. But um, books with happy endings, let's say, are always uh, popular with many people. And this is a time where actually, I'm, you know, I think that we're not going to get through this as authors without any blips. Um, but it is a better industry to be in than a lot of them right now. Um, lots of people, I had some great page reads yesterday on Sunday, you know, lots of people just holding up by government order <laughs> and um, watching some Netflix, playing some videos and reading some books. So hopefully, you know, there will be opportunities for those who pay attention. I guess I haven't changed what I'm planning to launch you know, my schedule for this year or anything I'm planning to do. I'll just, you know, probably try to give away maybe some few extra stuff for free just to give people things to do in between the launches. So that is about it from us this week. 
as always, we talked much longer than I thought we would when I <laughs> grabbed the questions. Thank you for listening. And thank you to Joshua Pearson for producing the show. If you have time to leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen, we would appreciate it. Also, if you want to join our listeners-only Facebook group, search for Six Figure Authors or check the show notes for the link. I hear a dog crying from the back room. So that is my time to sign off and walk them and feed them. Bye, everyone. See you all later. So long, everybody.